Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Supergirl TV Talk. We're we're here to talk about the CW's hit show, Supergirl. I'm Tim, and with me this week is not Frank, but a lovely, lovely guest of the show, a wonderful podcast host in his own right, uh, co-host of the Suicide Squad cast, Scott. How are you today, Scott? I'm good, Tim. Nice to be back. It's like my second time in like a month. This is amazing. I know. Frank, I cannot tell you how crazy... That my life and Frank's life has been separately in the past couple of months. So we are so grateful that you are like this, I don't know, like, um, I don't know, lighthouse in the storm. They were like, Scott, I need a co-host, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Brent will make some crack about how I'm, I'm like that for any podcast that wants to have me. So, yeah, you know what? I'm easy. It's then we appreciate that. <laughs> and we appreciate that. We are here to talk about uh, the latest episode of Supergirl, Dark Side of the Moon. But before we do that, I have some emails to read from the letter bag. Would you perchance like to listen to these emails? Absolutely. Great. Okay, so we have one from Daniel, and Daniel asks, if kryptonite was broken pieces of the planet Krypton, how in the world can Lena Luthor create some of her own? This is a this is actually a great like comic book question. You know, like how like how can we create minerals? And so it's actually a great science question. So as I've been interested in geology of lately, let me explain that um, things like kryptonite or anything that any ite is just a bunch of minerals mixing together. So Lena has figured out which exact minerals create kryptonite, which is not exactly the exploded pieces of krypton, but it shares the same radiation signature that will hurt Supergirl. What yeah, do you think I- about that, Scott? Oh, no, it's basically the plot to Superman 3. It is. That is exactly right. Yep. (laughs) I mean, it's the idea that if you know what its chemical composition is and you have access to the ingredients, it's just a recipe and you can make it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's what scientists do all the time when they're either creating new materials. They just find the chemical compositions that turn into whatever they want. So. Yeah, my comic book science, I just you know, wave my hand over it and goes, I'm sure Lex has the research from years of trying to kill Superman of how what's kryptonite made out of. So then it's just making it from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are other characters in comics that like Batman has synthesized his own kryptonite on multiple occasions and multiple stories on multiple Earths. It's not this is not un. Uh, this is not new material, I guess, for comic book for comic book readers. But I'm glad that they're incorporating things like that into the show because you know it's 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 fun to see one how smart Lena can be, but then two, you know, something kind of really comic booky on a comic book show, right? And, and it, and it kind of suggests the idea that Lena figured it out and Lex hasn't. So once again, kind of adding to that idea of Lena is smarter than Lex on this show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good, great point. Great point. Thank you for that question. We are on to Lauren. Actually, before I read Lauren's email, Lauren uh, is part of Thought Bubble Audio. She has a uh, podcast coming out um, 
called Metropolis Podcast, which is about the hopefully will be picked up show Metropolis on the DC streaming service. And so there's a trailer out right now, uh, and there um, there are future episodes on the way. But we'll just plug her as that sits right now. So she says, writing in as a listener this week in regards to the casting for Nia. I wonder if there's a bit of misdirection at play in if Nia or Naya is an analog for a DC Comics character. Perhaps this character won't be an original character, nor transgender, but someone from the comics with a form of body uh, dysorphia. Interested to know your potential theories. So, to backtrack a little bit, um, there is a transgendered character coming to Supergirl next season, and this character is supposed to head up Catco in the vein of Cat Grant. Um, and so her question again is, perhaps this character won't be an original character nor transgender, but someone from the comics with a form of body dysorphia. So, like, you know, like change their bodies or, you know, something along those way. Could be an established, could be in an established character. Um, you know, maybe this person is, when we meet them, as she's as as uh, as Lauren says, they're kind of in a dissatisfaction about their body form. So maybe it's going in that direction. So what do you think? Um, this is my first time hearing this news. So, oh, okay. Well, yeah, there, I, there's this news for you. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. You're I, welcome. I, I, lear- I learned some. I don't do TV a whole lot. Just got my bag. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no, that's 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 an interesting. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not an original character, or at least they're saying it's an original character. Because the CW, across all their shows, does this all the time. Here's our character. Then, like, five or six episodes in, oh, wait a minute, it's this character, and we just pulled a twist on you. They do that that's, all the time. That's right. They they do that mostly for casting. Like, they say, this is this is the name of the person you're auditioning for, but actually it's this person. And, and if we can kind of read between the lines on a lot of that stuff, there's a character coming to I think Arrow this coming season that's probably Blue Beetle with a different like with a different name for casting but we're not sure yet so well, they've been things... teasing Ted Court enough so come on since season since season one and <laughs> Arrow has a new showrunner next season I know uh, Beth Schwartz that's exciting yeah very exciting but we're not here to talk about we're Arrow. not about Arrow no no we're, just we're here to talk Supergirl. about this question um, I don't I don't know if it's going to be. I think it's going to be an original character and not a DC character. That's my stance on it right now. It could change. Uh, but either way, I, Supergirl pushes, um, I wouldn't say pushes boundaries necessarily, but it's very, but it's an open show and all are welcome or should be welcome. And that's kind of the message they like to bring about. So this is exciting. This is exciting news for the show. I, I'm, I'm on board for this. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, we'll 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 see. Well, thank you, thank you, Lauren. And then finally, we have uh, an email from Daryl, and he says, "Katie answered a question about Lena not knowing. I would assume not knowing if Kara and Supergirl were one of the same. And she said that it's better that Lena doesn't know, so that Kara can have that one person she can be just Kara with. And if Lena knew, she'd have to be Supergirl all the time. What's your opinion on this?" I, I so Katie's answer is that it, it it's better that Kara doesn't know so Kara can just be Kara. Well, that's not really an answer to the question whether Lena knows or not, but but she thinks that 
it's better for Kara for Lena not to know so Kara can just be herself. I would agree with I would agree with that. At oh, least. I w- yeah, I would ag- I would agree with that too, especially since as I've been following you guys for the past couple of weeks, um I am I've been kind of team Lena in most of these discussions about what Lena's been going through with totally her Totally team Lena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Te- I'm Team Lena. That is actually um, against the official stance of like my network. Sometimes, like if you listen to the, our our DC TV squad cast, they're they're not Team Lena. And I was like, no, guys, I'm with you. I'm with Tim and Frank. Team Lena all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I. It's her viewpoint makes too much sense. Whereas I get Kara's, I just don't agree with. Her very hard line in the sand, which, as we all know, is fruitless because lines in the sand disappear. So, <laughs> great, great metaphor beach, there. Right. The line in the sand doesn't stick around a long time. I never understood that metaphor. <laughs> like, a, like a good wave comes up, your line's gone. Like, unless you're digging a trench, like, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. So, but anyway, those I, are. Go ahead. I, but I like Katie's. I like Katie's response to that, but I'm still like, but, but also her not knowing just leads to that added drama of, you know, when, what's going to happen when she finds out, you know, it, it, it's very much for me, like the Clark Lex relationship in Smallville and oh, sure. I, which was in my opinion, some of the strongest stuff in Smallville. So I like that element in Supergirl right now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I just, don't want to see it go the Smallville route the same I, way. Exactly. I don't. I don't want Lena to go evil. I don't. I, I don't want that. I like Lena being on the side of the angels here. Me too. Me too. I like her being on the side, of, and I don't mind her being on a gray side. I just don't want to see her on the dark side. Right. Gray because gray is so interesting to me. Like I always love the gray. I love the gray area. And if Lena can mm. operate in there, that makes her character more watchable for me. I I completely agree. Now, as much as I, I liked that point, you ruined my segue, so I'm just <gasps> going to have to go into it. That's okay. You didn't know. it was. I didn't plan it. It just worked out that way because we're talking about Season 3, Episode 20 of Dark Side of the Moon. <gasps> and I said Dark Side, and it was perfect. I am and, here and, to and, ruin and, your episode. It's what I made, do. And you made a point. But that's okay. This episode premiered on May 29th, 2018. It was directed... Uh, by oh, May twenty eighth. What day? What day did I say? You you said today, the twenty ninth. Oh, it's because I watched it today. Um, I'm losing it, Scott. And we have we've barely begun the episode. This is what happens when Frank goes away. Frank goes Frank goes away, and and everything goes everything goes down so fast. I'm trying to pull you back. I'm trying to be here for you, buddy. That's okay, but I could hear to tell you that this was this episode was directed by Hanel uh, Culpepper, and it was and it was written by Derek Simon and Katie Rose Rogers. So you know the good, the classics, some good people right here. So oh, absolutely. Well, we start off with Monel and Supergirl in Jean's ship in space. And Supergirl's like, I can just be me when I'm around you. And that is exactly what somebody in the friend zone doesn't want to hear from a girl. <laughs> oh. it's, I can just be me. 
Uh, that's the best, but that means that you're literally just being a friend right now. That's what that means. Just friend zoned. Oh, um, man. It reminds me of the Phantom Zone joke from season one with Wynn. It's like the friend Phantom Zone. It's just, Kara, stop doing that to all the uh, men around you. I know, I know. But we'll see. We'll see what this plays out. We're not, we're not totally sold yet. So they, they come across this city in a dome floating on a giant piece of asteroid. And there's some green lines running through the asteroid, which was pretty cool considering that we learned it's Argo City. So it looks like even bits of that asteroid are powered by kryptonite. So there's still some real kryptonite out there in the universe. Oh, yeah. Which is so cool because that totally is coming being you know being comic book nerds like oh that's com- completely comic accurate to supergirl's first appearance where like that was what they're dying from in the comics was the kryptonite that they're literally living on mm-hmm. see this is why we bring scott on here for to drop some comic knowledge because if i'm not going to do it and frank's not going to do it scott is and oh yeah well and that's I'll what like i'm here it. for i'm yay like so so they get sucked into a tractor beam a la death star style and they they turn the ship into an asteroid or a meteor to escape the tractor beam because they the tractor beam is looking for a ship, not a piece of space rock. Right? Am I right? I you know what that was one of the I was, I was scratching my head going comic book science is this how this works? I mean I thought they want the tractor beam to stop rocks from hitting the dome anyway, but you know what do I know? I'm not Kryptonian. Uh, good point, but I mean maybe the dome. Well, the dome is going to open to bring the ship in, but not open to let the asteroid in. Oh, okay. Good point. All right. All right. Yeah, see, I I made it work. There we go. Um, Wynn is very sure that they will re-engage contact with Supergirl and Mon-El. He's so sure. He's got 11 things going. It's so great. It's whatever. And then Jean is preparing for the worst, and he barks at Wynn in kind of like a season one way. Did you get that vibe? I haven't seen Jean be like that since he was pretending to be Hank Henshaw. Oh, no, absolutely. And I love Wynn's line of him being appropriately stoic and grave. Stoic stoic and grave. (laughs) I I wrote that down, too. (laughs) Yay, notes. Um, But, yeah, you're you're right, though, because ever since it's – He's been outed as as Jean. He's been a lot more kind of space dad to like everyone mm-hmm. at the DEO. Mm-hmm. So this, yeah, so you're right. This is very much like, you know, they just left, but have we heard from them yet? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was like, what? What are you doing? Yes, yeah, calm down. It's okay. They'll be fine. I mean, they won't be, but they'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Which uh, is why I love the interaction between Win and. Win and John, where he's, Win's like doing that. Hey, Papa Bear, it's okay. <laughs> he tries oh, it's so all hard. good. I think it's interesting that Win starts that way in this episode, but then he actually like does a full turn, and then he becomes stoic and grave, the way yeah. that Jean was. Yeah, yeah. I, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll about talk about that. that. Yeah, yeah. So Alex, meanwhile, talks to Ruby like she's five years old when she's explaining things. Sometimes, <laughs> especially in this episode, there was something about this episode where Alex was like. Okay, your mom is not here right now. I was like, okay, Alex, like, she's 12. She's not, you know, she's not stupid. Like, 
get it's okay. So anyway, well, she she did she did use a cell phone that allowed rain to detect her. So I mean, you can kind of understand where Alex is like, uh, maybe you're not as bright as we thought you were. Maybe, <laughs> but maybe Ruby was smart enough to actually know how to get into Alex's phone. So you know, <laughs> there's a there's a you know there's a real toss up here. So anyway, they they go out and. Um, Ruby gives Alex a great burn, which said, I never got motion sickness until you started driving me around. It was a great burn. <laughs> I'm going to remember that for later, even though I already had motion sickness. But some people don't have to know that. Yes, but th- but they are going to go to a Wicked ice cream truck and get treats. So, you know, I, I want some Wicked ice cream. Ice cream would be really good right now. Actually, I would love some ice cream. I will be right back. No, just kidding. Let's do this episode. Someone fires at someone shoots at Alex and throws a fancy grenade, and there just happens to be a coal disposal thing there. Is that a I thought, thing? I don't I, know. <laughs> I was hoping you would know. I you know. had no idea. Like, is this a Canadian thing that I don't know about? Because I was like, what? Somebody from Canada, please tell us: is this a thing in your country? Because I don't think it's a thing here. It was very odd, but. It was convenient for her, but I still found it very strange. She was also very leisurely about throwing the uh, throwing the armed grenade into it. I was like, Alex, can you put a little pep in your step? That thing's about to go- that thing already turned red and it's blinking to go off. Yeah, she really did take her time with it, and I'm like, Alex, you're holding a thermal detonator, but she just wasn't she wasn't moving. Mm-mm, no, not a, nope, not at all. Rain, meanwhile, is taunting Lena, Kieran Luther, as we learned what her middle name is, which I thought was fun, where Rain knows her middle name for reasons. And Rain is taunting her playing on the Supergirl-Lena relationship and their relationship with Sam. You know, and so Supergirl and Lena don't trust each other and that the only way to... The only way to... to save everybody is to kill Sam and Rain at the same time. And it's really starting to take a toll on Lena as we see throughout this episode. Absolutely. It just it's adding to her her moral quandary of do I have to you know, what is the right thing and is doing the wrong thing the right thing? And I just once again, the reason Lena has been turned into an even more interesting character in the past couple of episodes. Absolutely. And I, I'm glad that they actually they really took her by the horns and like have really been running with it because she she's always been interesting but always kind of on the sidelines but this past second half of the season I mean this whole season really but in the past I'd say 10 episodes they're really like pushing her to the forefront it's great really great to see I'm also glad they're keeping uh, Rain without her mask and just a really creepy eyeshadow makeup because I still think that's scarier than scarier than the ma- than having the mask on. I was like, yes, they're keeping the creepy yeah. eye makeup look. I agree. She has a really great stare, like a stare down. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And even without the mask, she's still pretty terrifying. I I completely agree. But meanwhile, on the uh, asteroid we learned soon to be Argo, there's a. Uh, hologram coming out of the legion ring and i just those you know this i never really cared for the legion but this season is really making me interested in the legion of superheroes yeah i'm you know my 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 tim is a huge legion fan i have never understood it but i'm kind of with you it's like okay i'm gonna read the great darkness saga this summer you you convinced me i literally just bought it before we started recording this episode because comiXology is doing a um, DC TV cra- sale? 
No, they're doing a Hidden Treasures sale until Ooh. June 4th or something like that. Uh, and the Great Darkness Saga is on there for five ninety nine. <gasps> Good deal. Good deal. Great deal. It's like a 20-something dollar book. It's a great deal. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by Comixology. Comixology, yeah. As too many of these episodes have been without them even knowing about it. But anyway, they are powerless aboard this asteroid, as they said they've expected. And so they, Supergirl and Monel, steal some robes to hide. Classic. Um, but but Monel goes on to say that actually in the future there are no secret identities. It's just Monel from the Legion of Superheroes. And there are two things I like about this. One, that culture has like evolved past this place of secrecy. And, you know, paranoia and stuff like that. But it's also, they're not just the Legion. They're the Legion of Superheroes in the future. He actually said it. Oh, yeah. And, and, that, and that completely jives with what I know about the Legion and, and the idea that there's probably a museum to Supergirl who, like, you get her entire history. So it's like the whole point of this intergalactic thing is that everyone knows who everyone is and where they come from. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of like the Federation. Of. It's exactly like the Federation, right? It's their job. It's the Legion is their job. It's not like I'm hiding and being a vigilante. They are, you know, members of society. But I also thought it was interesting that Monel said that there's a trade-off because when you're Monel of the Le- Legion of Superheroes, you're that 24/7. Like there is no off time. Everyone, when everyone knows who you are, there's no way to escape that. That's right. You're. You're not necessarily a celebrity because, you know, they're superheroes. They're, it's a little bit different. They're saving people, but they can't just go to a movie or out to dinner or something like that because there's always somebody in crisis. There's always somebody looking to get a handoff from that. So, you know, there's always something. Yes. Um, so, but it, it it is a trade-off, but that that's going to play into... I'm sure later in this season, not that there's many episodes left, but I'm sure it'll play into the season. Oh, it, it was one of those things where you're talking about like how these episodes lay down themes and it's like, yep, I'm waiting for that one to like, I'm watching that thread now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You look for it right at the beginning, right? Cause there's oh, all right. What, what, what theme is going to run through every character's story as we go. Um, but anyway, Alex brings Ruby to the DEO because someone is trying to kill Alex and everything's chill. It's fine. It's chill. It's chill. Why don't you go read? And Oh, things are not chill. Okay. Um, things are, things are not chill. And so we get a little rundown of potential. We get a rundown of potential people that could be out to kill Alex. There's Griggs, there's the Helgramite, there's Ricky, there's all these different people and that, that appeared on the show and for different reasons ha- are off the list. And then we come across Ron Collins, which I didn't remember at first, but Ron Collins is the bad guy from the um, the episode Midvale. He was the sheriff. And so that episode where we like see um, Alex and Kara Bond for the first time and they have like that Smallville-centric like type show like we're kids in school and solving mysteries and stuff uh he was the bad guy in that episode and she she got him arrested for first degree murder when she was 17 years old and i liked it it made that episode in some ways significant to the audience again because i almost forgot about it 
See, I, once I saw the sheriff uniform, I was like, oh, yeah, Midvale. Okay, cool. Nice callback. I like that episode. Like, yeah, it, right. I did like that. I liked that episode a lot. It was fun. So, but no, you're, you're right. It's like, bring it back. You know, I, I love it when these shows don't forget their history. Like, even an episode that feels like a one-off, you know, pays off later. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's good writing. Anyway, so... Wynn has to babysit Ruby, and by babysit, he means like he kind of has to keep an eye out because she's 12 years old and actually kind of, kind of responsible depending on what's going on. Uh, but I do love the it takes a village, and everyone's like, haha, okay, bye, Wynn. I know you're stressed and stuff, but goodbye. And he is not happy about it. I was like, this is, this is not As soon as they said it, I was like, this is not going to end well. This, the, no. this, something is going to happen. Conflict. Conflict. I know. Poor. Actually, that's a. Con- if you want to see, run to see a constant theme. Win always has to babysit. Whenever a kid shows up in this show for whatever reason, it's always Win that gets stuck with the kid. Because he's young and he's he's hip with it. Not he's at young all. And hip, even though he doesn't want to be. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, back on back on the asteroid, we see a Kryptonian memorial. And and we learn that this place is Argo or Argo City, and all these Kelixes show up, and everyone is like, "Oh my god!" And then we see that Allura is alive, and Kara and Allura are reunited, and it's oh so beautiful. Can Can and, I ask you a question? I, and yes. I and this is not meant to nitpick, but it's like, how did we? How did she know it was Argo? Like I was like I was waiting for that connective tissue. That's like she goes Argo, and I'm like. Okay, was there something in the Kryptonese? Like, like did you did you figure out, or did you just kind of go with it and not even question it when she just made that connection immediately? Truthfully, I kind of went with it, but this would have been she grew up in Argo, like that's her city, and so I would assume that she kind of like pieced it all together. Like, even though it's been a, like a couple, like a decade and some odd like a decade and a half like there was still something in her that was like oh i recognize this okay kind of what i went with well yeah like like she's reading the memorial realizing wait a minute this memorial would only be one place okay i I, i'm with you there you've Mm -hmm. you've had candidate for me thank you hey you're welcome that's what that's what the show is really all about explaining things away that could potentially be plot holes that's what we do here good thank you Moving you're on. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> so it turns out that Zorel created a shield to protect Argo City when Krypton exploded, but Kara's parents, Zorel and Allura, sent her away like as a just in case because they didn't know the shield was going to work, but they knew the pod was going to work, and somebody had to watch after Kal-El. And so they they made a very conscious decision to send her away just in case. Sounds good. I, I, I liked I liked the idea that she that Allura knew that Kara had been sucked into the Phantom Zone. Like, I, I liked that little detail they added in there. S- because the idea that they weren't, they're just as surprised to see Kara as Kara is surprised to see Allura. That's right. Yeah, and and gives reasons to why nobody ever went to Earth to look for her or something like that. You know, there was, there are reasons for her to be away. So, yes. it's, it's good. Um Allura recognizes Monel, which I thought was interesting because you know she was a high-ranking official and Monel was a prince and so and they were kind of neighboring planets and so it's I like that she was like, "Hey, I know you. You were a you were a bum." I remember. 
and and I liked Erica Durant's performance because you could almost you could hear the tone of disapproval for a second of you're Daxamite, and like mm-hmm. you get that li- you you get tension there that quickly washed away with the way that Monel respectfully responded to her. Like it was like I'm going to respond respectfully, and then suddenly Alora's okay with the situation. You know, I definitely agree with that, but it's also Alora you know trying to like the kryptonian side of Allura comes out the old krypton way comes out and then she kind of reassesses and said nope we're not krypton anymore we're argo and this is how i'm going to respond to this situation and she she does it all very quickly and doesn't say any of that right away but i but i appreciated that move on her, on erica durance's part absolutely so they explain the situation and Allure is like, oh, you're looking for Harun El, you know, the Black Rock of U- Utakao. And everyone's like, yay, everyone knows what everyone's talking about. This is great. So it turns out that Zorel repurposed Harun El to create an atmosphere for Argo. That's how they're all still alive. Zorel died in this process. He kind of saved everybody, but but also died. Um, so this this protective bubble protects them from invaders and it cloaks them which is why no one knew it existed but they don't really have any to spare but the younger the the younger kryptonians or argonauts or whatever you want to call them um the they have this thing called thalonite lung and so they they can't adjust to the atmosphere the same way so some of the kids have to be on respirators what i want to ask you zorel is quote-unquote dead because of this in the new 52 Zorel is a cyborg Superman so do you think that he's quote unquote dead and we don't really follow that up because we're kind of laying the groundwork for that next season I don't know if they're intentionally laying the groundwork for that or if they're just keeping their options open because that arc in the New 52 Supergirl was literally my favorite arc of the entire Supergirl New 52 run. So oh. I am hope like, as soon as you started talking, I was like, I know where Tim is going with this. Yes, please. Like, I would want that to happen. And even though they've kind of hinted at Cyborg Superman before, to get like an actual Cyborg Superman would rock my socks off. I I completely I completely agree. I think they they're very aware that the Hank Henshaw Cyborg Superman didn't really do it for people. Just putting on a metal mask and saying you're Cyborg Superman is not being a cyborg or Superman. And so I would really like to see this Zor-El version. I think that would create a lot of family conflict. And now that we know that Argo exists, it would create even more con- conflict. Than just between Kara, but also with the citizens of Argo and Allura. Like, there's a lot of really interesting story in here and where to go with that, which I think is cool. But I also remember that they dropped they dropped a hint at Eradicators a little while ago with Myron, and so you could be seeing some kind of you know Cyborg Superman's being set up, Eradicators being set up. There's they might be building towards something here. Yeah, well, and also in the New 52, the reason he was Cyborg Superman was because of Brainiac. So that would be, you know, if they wanted to eventually bring a Brainiac, an evil Brainiac onto the show and connect it with 
uh, a Zor-El cyborg Superman, that just that just gives you another villain down the road that you can you know potentially play with. That's a good point. I mean, you could connect. You know, there's there's also World of New Krypton that's available as an option to them now since Allura is alive. They could establish a Kryptonian colony instead of just Argo floating on an asteroid. There's there's a lot of really cool, interesting places for them to go from this episode. So even if this episode maybe didn't like totally do it for people, there's there's great world building happening here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so Allura says they're they're going to call the council uh, for aid, and we'll see. We're going to see what happens. Meanwhile, Wynn wants a pizza bagel, but he's so busy he can't get it. And he's having a slight meltdown because he's not chill. And Ruby kind of puts it all in perspective for Wynn. He's kind of like, ah, oh, there's so many, you know, there's so many things happening. And and I'm upset because there are things happening. And Ruby's like, yeah, you're talking about my mom and stuff. And that it makes me sad because she's not really... My mom anymore, she's a monster, and I'm only 12. Well, see you later. I'm going to go read my book. And it <laughs> my, notes, my, my notes said, Wynn is hangry with Ruby. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what he is. He's totally angry. That's great. Um, and so anyway, so it puts it all in perspective for him. Meanwhile, Alex confronts Ron Collins at the bar, and he, he is very much in the vein of, I already paid my debt. I don't even feel like don't feel like I don't even feel sorry for me. He is not the man trying to kill Alex. He is he is a man repentant of his past sins and just wants to be left alone. Yeah, I, it was like the I'm I'm self punishing myself at this point, so I don't need mm-hmm. you here to pile on. I already feel like crap. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, meanwhile, a bomb goes off on Alex's bike, and that goes explodey. But Alex was not on the bike because she's she's a good agent, and so she wants to set a trap. And John is on board for this. She's like, "I'm already being hunted. I might as like might as well just continue in this vein." Absolutely. And, and of course, that was another one where it was just kind of like, "Alex, move faster off the bike when you hear the click, click, click sound." I have been trained by many years of watching movies that when you hear click, click, click on your ignition, this is not a good sign. That's right. I, so I, always, I have a friend who always says that, like, look, if you hear weird sounds or laughing in your house and that's not being made by anybody, you just, like, you go around check, like, anybody laugh weird right now? No? No? All right, we're leaving. Get out of the house. It's probably haunted. Like, why are we staying here? We'll go to a hotel. <laughs> you just leave when, like, you hear click, click, click sound, you get out of the way. Walk away. Rest. Walk away. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's that beeping sound? I'm a secret agent, but I don't, you know, ugh, just move, move faster. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there's a flower being kept. Um, there's a flower being kept. It was given to Kara. It's called a Dar Essa, and it grows as she grows. And so in some ways, it's actually they kind of knew she was alive because the flower keeps growing. And, you know, that's that's, that's sweet. It is that's... very sweet. It is very sweet. Um, I liked all the callbacks in this scene to season one, talking about Astra and Non. I was like, "Hey, we haven't forgotten that part. We haven't forgotten the CBS season." It was, yes, it was true. It was cool to hear her talk about that because you almost forget that Astra is Alora's sister, and so you're, you know, you're like, she's like, "Oh, you know, like Astra and Non, and Astra was turning, but she wasn't quite there yet, and then she died." And then Allura is talking about how she's repentant about Fort Roz and how she did that job. And, like, there was some really good.
good stuff going on. But at the at the end of it, it was also all about hope, which is you can see where Kara gets it. You know, she's like her mom at the end of it is like, I made some mistakes, but ultimately I hope for a better tomorrow. And Kara's like, oh, my God, me too. That's what I do. It it's nice. what all the L's do. It's it's our it's our it's what our symbol used to mean, but now it means stronger together. So yay! Exactly, exactly. But at the same, but at the same time, she's Allura's not an L. You know, Zor is the L. Right. Yeah, she's the. I don't know what her last name was. So yeah, I, uh, that's a great question. But I'm not sure. I don't know if it ever says it. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. No. Anyway, Monel tries to return the cloaks, which I thought was really nice because they did steal them. I thought that was pretty great. No, and yeah, it, and I like that. She, and I like that the shopkeeper knew knew who he was. So it was like, oh no, it's okay. You're you're friends with Alor's daughter. We're we're cool. Yeah, it's totally fine. But he's like, no, nah, I gotta gotta actually do something. So Val, this this um, this woman's son, has a has. Thalonite lung, and so Monel uses the like fix all developed by Brainiac Five to cure Val, which I was like, get, get, can, can I have one of those? I mean, <laughs> I'm not sick or anything, but I, you never know, you know. Of course, I was also having my little. Uh, do you watch Krypton? Yes, I was having my, when when they said the boy's name was Val. I was like, oh, just like Superman's great great grandfather. That's awesome. Yep, I, I, I like the continuity of names. Me too. I had that. I also thought about the Black Mercy episode of Justice League Unlimited where Superman is put in the Black Mercy, not unlike Supergirl, is put in the Black Mercy in this show. And uh, he has a son, and I'm pretty sure his son's name is Val in that episode. Oh, great, great poll. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. That's a really good episode. If you want to cry in a matter of 20 minutes, I got a boy, do I have an episode for you? Oh, no. Or, or a comic book to read where Alan Moore just makes you like, oh, tear you up inside. Yep. It hurts so much. Cry. Anyway, Lena has a way to kill Rain, but it would not save Sam. And <laughs> this 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 involves kind of like upping the ante on the kryptonite and all of this stuff. So James says, it's not what Sam wanted you to do, but what would Sam want you to do now with the choice that you have? And which is a great question. It's not like what she wanted you to do before all of this started. It's like what what would Sam tell you to do right now? And she's and Lena says I think correctly. She says she said, would say choose Ruby. I think that Sam knows. I mean Lena knows Sam well enough to think that's exactly what Sam would say. What do you? What think? I also think is well, one I agree, but it's also I think great for James's character. It's amazing that. His character has really reached some really wonderful growth now that he's in a relationship with Lena. Like, I liked him posing that question. I liked him being there for her. Absolutely. And, and giving agree. such mature such mature feedback and being a shoulder, like, and, and being there going, James isn't judging her if she decides to, to OD her on Kryptonite. Like, James is, like, if that's what is the best thing to do. Go for it. Like James is living in that gray with her. And I think that's such a great relationship with those two. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. Excellent. I have nothing to add to that. So I'm just going to continue when reconciles with Ruby and he kind of, he tells the story of his dad and he had this fear 
that the evil inside his dad would also be in him too, which I think is great for him to say because there are episodes that deal with that. It's not even like they made it up for this episode. Like there are whole episodes of this show devoted to Wynn's fear that the evil in his father is also in him. And Ruby has this, like, yeah, I get that. I have that same exact fear. And so they really come to, they really come to this understanding between the two of them. And so Wynn kind of offers, you know, you know, like, hey, I need some help. You want to, you want to come? And then, uh, which was really cute. I, uh, I what, what's the over and under that Wynn makes Ruby go get his pizza bagel? <laughs> I, I, I think, I think we're, uh, I think we're uh, good odds. I take those odds. I, yeah, me too. Yeah, um, I, I completely didn't think about the. I, I was, I thought it was very good because I didn't predict that they would go like the. Our parents are supervillain support group, which I thought was really good. Like they made the connection that for some reason I didn't make on my own. Which once again, good writing. It is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's giving you an alternate view that you might not have connected yourself. That is, it's good writing. I agree, Jean pretends uh to be alex as he jogs his trap for the the hunter and so on and so forth and then the uh the they're gonna have this they're gonna have the council you know the kryptonian council the argo city council and it turns out that a member of the high council is the hologram lady from the fortress of sanctuary and her name is selena the teenage witch <laughs> that's that's sabrina i know sabrina. Stop I it! I, my, I thought I was like, oh my, my my cat is the is the leader of the I canceled. That's good to know. Thank you. Oh, your cat's name Sabrina. That's hilarious. I no, my that. cat's name is Selena because it was Catwoman. Oh, I like that too. Both are great. Yeah. Both are great. <laughs> anyway, um, Selena is a significant name in the Supergirl mythos. Do you know why? Actually, I do not. Please inform me. So, if you thought that Dark Side of the Moon felt a little bit like Supergirl the movie. You would be correct. <gasps> because it's is it a Faye Dunaway's character? It is. A, she, so, Selena is the villain, the witch, in Supergirl, the movie, the 1984 movie. So, so hear me out on this. Okay. So, so Selena in, well, Supergirl in the movie goes to Earth in search of the Omega Hedron, right? Which we saw in season one of Supergirl. Right. It's never been mentioned again. Right. Now in the hands of Maxwell Lord, never to be seen again. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Because in the movie, Argo City needs the Omega Hedron to survive. But in, 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 uh, in the TV show, Supergirl goes in search of, goes in search of the rock to, she goes in search of, she goes in search of the rock to make sure that Earth survives, which is pretty cool. Um, so you get that Argo City Earth reversal. However, the Omega Hedron in the movie was found by Selena, who was the witch who intended to use the the Omega Hedron to take over the world. Yes. Right. And we've already talked about the fact that the world killers use dark magic to do their thing. So I like where you're going with this. Yeah. So is that right? That's I. I mean, I don't really have anywhere else to go with it apart from. I guess she's not technically the big bad of the season, but she is the overarching master lord. She's like the emperor to Darth Vader. That's basically what we have found out in this episode. Yeah, and I want to see where this 
I want to see where this goes later on because we've only got like what two episodes left. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Three episodes left. No, three episodes, episodes left. Okay. Yeah, twenty-three episodes this season. Yeah. Um, so Supergirl pleads for help from the Argo City Council. She asks for a bit of the Harunel, and they're all like, "Well, we kind of we kind of need that to be alive." Well, um, you know that Vulcan member of the Kryptonian Council is not helping out one bit. The uh, Jewel Us, yeah, he says this council is not. This council does not concern itself with legacy, only survival. Which I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, they don't know this planet. They barely know Kara, and they're like, "We're trying to be alive here still." So you can't really totally blame them. But anyway, we we go back and forth between this and the the shooter the shooter trying to kill Alex and he knows Alex is Alex because he fires from a rooftop at her instead of at Jean and so she goes after him without backup and so you get this intercut between Supergirl's plea for help citing how humans can be great if they wish to be they only need the light to show them the way that whole speech you know hope and hope and hope and all that stuff but meanwhile Alex is chasing this killer um, potentially the most action she's ever done like rooftop chase like flips and stuff like it was pretty cool. Yeah, there was some wacky physics there that was just kind of like mm. oh, def- <laughs> definitely some wacky physics at work here. Oh, absolutely. But it it was still cool to see her be secret agent Alex. I always oh, yeah. like when it, they do that. In her new suit that wind made her. I mean, that was that was kind of cool. Actually, what was really impressive is running across those rooftops when it was wet because every single one of them was wet. And she was really running. And I was like, all right, whether it's you or a stunt double, I'm really impressed with the amount of dangerous running that's happening right now. So that's good. That's good for them. Um, turns out the shooter's alien. It's the twin brother of an alien that killed 12 people. And Were we supposed to know who this alien was? Like, I, I, I was like, is this like a season one Fort Ross alien or is this one they pulled out just for this episode? I was, I, I was unclear on that. They said it's the twin brother of the alien that killed 12 people, so I, it didn't look familiar to me, but sometimes, like, I haven't watched season one in a few years, and so if it was throwaway, it could have just really been throwaway. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not positive. Okay. Uh, uh, anyways, was... go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to continue, so, uh, the gun pointed at Alex as she hangs on the ledge, but she does a cool flip takedown sequence that had some really funky physics. Like, I don't know how she propelled herself up. She was holding on by one hand with her, like, edges of her fingers. Like, how is that possible? It's the magnets. It's the magnets in the suit. Ah, oh, the magnets. You know, you could be right there. You know, I know it's headcanon and you're making excuses, but you could be right. And so she takes down this alien before Jean arrives, and, and everybody everybody's happy about it. You know, it's all it's all good in the hood. I can't believe you just said that. I know. I know. Council votes to give Haru, some of the Harunel to to Supergirl and Monel. With Selena giving the the deciding vote, which I thought was very interesting. I want to know where that's going. Like, what's she's her been, ulterior motive here? Yep, she's definitely. Well, I mean, she one looks good, so any suspicion like goes against her. Maybe she knows it's not actually going to work, so it doesn't matter. True. Okay. Um, but anyway. Earth is waiting for its hero. So so Allura and Supergirl have this goodbye. Earth is waiting for its hero. I'm so happy you're alive. I'll see you again. Blah, blah, blah. Supergirl and Monel leave with the Harunel. The shooter, we learn Alex's shooter is from Naja Falk 7, and he has a heightened sense of smell, which is 
why uh which is why the fake the Jean fake out didn't fool anybody. So, you know. You live and you learn. Yes, exactly. So Alex is having kind of this crisis of conscience, though, because she she says the thing that I had to do to save myself is the same thing that could have killed me, which she's referring to, like, jumping from one rooftop to the next, you know. She had to do that to save herself because of the shooter, but if she had fallen, it also could have killed her. And now she's thinking about Ruby because she's kind of in this surrogate mother stage of her life, and she's not not Ruby's mother. She's not there, but she's probably getting there. You know, she says, I broke up with Maggie because I wanted to be a mother. Um, And she's thinking that, is there a way that she can be a mother and also be this fearless agent, this person who she's always been? And can these two people coexist? And is that fair to a child? Uh, What do you think? I like it because it's pretty much like, I was thinking it's, it's the same inner conflict that any person who's law enforcement or the military or anything like that. I mean, like, while I was thinking, well, you know, you knew this was a thing. I liked it, giving it voice and and making Alex kind of that s- surrogate character for anyone who has some sort of life-threatening job but also doesn't want to preclude themselves from having children. Or what if you have this job and you have children? What What kind of inner conflict do you go through Every day where going to work is life threatening. Yep, I completely I completely agree because her job is super dangerous and making enemies and all this stuff. This is that's her job, but that's a lot of people's jobs and they also have kids and do this. But I think the difference is that Alex did it Alex broke up with Maggie so she's alone and wants to be a mother one way or another. So she can she do that and be a single mom? Because then that child really will have no one after or won't have a consistent parent. So so her dilemma is slightly bigger, especially if it ends up being Ruby. But it it is I like that she like you said, she's a voice for those who have to make this tough decision. And I think Jean is completely right when he says that, like, when the time is right, you'll make the choice that's right for you, which is all we can really ask to do you know it's the old Gandalf you must decide what to do with the time that is given to you you know that old thing right yeah and 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 it once again makes it it also points to the fact that that is a choice that's a very individual choice just because one person chooses to go one way does not mean that is quote the right choice for somebody else in a similar situation exactly exactly you it's almost like you understand it anyway in Selena says what I think is really interesting when she's like putting on her robes and stuff like that. She says this thing. She's in the absence of Rao. And I think it's really interesting that you have this character who's m- kind of mechanizing all these things behind the scenes. And it's almost like she's an atheist. She's in or Rao housed has disappeared. She doesn't believe in his like that Rao's around anymore. Or there's something going on there. But I think that that's interesting that there's a she is against the culture in the absence of Rao. We do this dark magic kind of thing. It's interesting. Well, yeah. Well, or or it's the fact that for us to have this magic, we are separate from we are we are in, separate from Rao. Like you know. You know, in Christianity, the idea that hell would be the would be the absence of God. So this is the absence of Rao is where we're doing our thing. Mm, that's a good point. 
It's excellent. Excellent point. I'm going to keep going. Rain taunts Lena and she says, you're just like me. And Lena says, sheds this tear and says, you wish. But Rain wants her to press that button to kill her so much. She's just making her and goading her to get to this point. And then Lena presses the button and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Scott. She was taunting her the entire time. Like she knew it wasn't going to work, but she wanted to psychologically torture with having to make that choice and then live with it. Exactly. But And now she does, even though it didn't work. Uh, but So Rain smashes through her protective barrier and disables the system. Supergirl and mon arrive, and then they start to fight, and then it's to be continued. We'll find out what happens next week. Well, that happened really fast. Yeah. Yeah, didn't it? Didn't it just? But that's okay. But what it, I liked this episode. I think I liked it for its setup more than anything else. It, when when Kara and Monel are walking around the um, poor section of Argo City, you know, or like the the um, market part of of it, it kind of reminded me of a Star Trek episode more than anything. Like, oh, what's what's what is this culture here selling robes? We have to blend in. Blah blah blah. That's Prime Directive and all that. Exactly. That's what it reminded me of. I felt like I was watching an episode of Next Generation or something. It, well, in even the in even the the grassy, it was it was green. It was like that's not a that's. I mean, with National City and all the things, seeing a grassy, um, uh, idyllic setting is not something you see on the show a whole lot. So that really got the we're on the the idyllic alien culture that has not been invaded by technology yet. That's that's a good point because we're technically really supposed to be in like Southern California still with National City, but we're definitely not. But we we can all pretend that we are. It's nice. So, so any, I was – go ahead. It, well, it was just an episode that I was just kind of like, oh, it's it's done. Like w- w- when it ended, I was like, that was that was, sud- uh, that was sudden. It was, Like it was the, the idea of introducing Argo and Allure still being alive because the Argo City thing got ruined for me like literally the day before I saw the episode. Uh, so that's a bummer. That's yeah. A bummer. So, uh, of course, when it po- popped up at the ver- like the first five seconds, I was like, yeah, I know what this is. But other than that, the episode just didn't really move the needle for me. It just mm. it, it felt like one of those episodes like we needed to have plot points to get into like the last few episodes. Yep, I yes, I definitely agree. But three episodes left, which means that it's I don't think it's going to slow down from here. Like we're really ramping to the end, and I'm I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I just this whole. I think Argo is like what really gets me excited because it's it introduces a, a another comic book element that I feel like this has got to turn into an arc in a season like next season or a season down the road. Like there's just we were talking earlier, there's just too many threads you can pull from here. Yes, I I definitely I definitely agree with that, and it's a I think it's a bit of setup for next year. I. I'd be surprised if Argo City goes away after this season. I wouldn't want it to. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, I mean, they've kind of taken this whole season to very slowly reintroduce us to Allura. And so I think it would be strange for her just to kind of disappear by the end of the season completely. Yeah. And, and they had talked about before the season that it was such a big deal that they they had such a big arc for Allura. It was the whole reason they went through the recasting in the first place. Right, and we never really saw that come to fruition this 
season, so I wonder if they're kind of holding that off for next year. Yeah, I'm once again, here's hoping. Here's hoping. But anyway, you can find Supergirl TV Talk in a variety of places, not uh not the least of all, but supergirltvtalk.com. You can also find all Thoughtbubble other all other Thought Bubble Audio shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. You can email Supergirl TV Talk at Supergirl TV Talk at gmail.com and you can check us out on Twitter at TV Supergirl. Think uh, you can also rate and review us on iTunes and find us in all the places podcasts can be found, including uh, Overcast and Spotify and Google Play and iTunes and all the such lovely places, Apple Podcasts, whatever, all these places. So, anyway, that's all fun and games. That's the end of the episode, except for the trailer talk. So let's do the trailer talk, shall we? Yes, let's let's do it. Uh, not Kansas, apparently, is going to be the name of the next episode. Yes, very good. Not Kansas. And Kara wants to go back to Argo. You know, she, you know I'm, she wants to, because the episode keep passive ran through this theme of, you know, being yourself and not two people. And that's what we've been seeing a lot of the past couple of episodes. And this one, she's like, hey, I can just be one person on Argo. Because even Monel says this episode, he says, you know, um, you know, you can just be... Supergirl here, and she said, not Supergirl, Kara Zarel, which is somebody that she's never on Earth. She's either Kara Danvers or Supergirl. She never gets to be Kara Zorel. She's got three alternate, um, she has three alternate identities. And so now she's getting to stretch that muscle a little bit. And so she goes back. But meanwhile, Rain is wreaking havoc. So I'm curious as to how this episode plays out because we end this week's episode with them about to smashy smashy and then the trailer she's like i'm going back to argo like what what happened to rain um i'm wondering if the structure of the episode is going to be the reverse of the structure of the trailer like will we see the rain attacking at the beginning of the episode and the we're throwing a go away party for car like is that actually how the episode's going to end is her making that decision to go back to Argo because I had the same question you did is like this doesn't seem to make sense based on where we left off to where we would end up by the next episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other the alternative to that is that maybe the thing that Lena did to Rain is a delayed reaction, and so maybe Kara thinks that they have defeated Rain at the beginning of the episode and then chooses to go back to Argo. And then Rain starts wreaking havoc afterwards, and then there's the, where's Supergirl? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, could be any of those things. But three episodes left, man. It's going to be it's exciting times. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just want it to be, I want it to be a bullet train to the end. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for every episode to be a cliffhanger to that season finale. Yeah, and then I find out too. what mystery they're going to set up for season four. Oh, yeah, uh, I love end of season mysteries, like when shows end and they're like, "I'm your daughter," or "I'm from the future," or "I'm a Ninja Turtle," or "Brainiac's coming," or "Who's in the pod?" Or I, there's so much. I love, I love cliff season end of season cliffhangers because I love the theories. I love the theories. I love the theories. I'm totally with you. I love the theories. I can't wait to talk theories. But anyway, that thus ends this episode of Supergirl TV Talk. Scott, why don't you plug yourself for a little bit? 
<laughs> well, I am Scott. I am one half of the Suicide Squad cast, where we talk about all things DC, uh, but with an emphasis on the movies. Uh, you can find me uh, at ScottDC27 on Twitter, and you can find uh, my show and a whole network of shows talking about anything you could possibly want to listen to about DC at SuicideSquadcast.com. We get you covered with movies, TV, comics, you name it. We've got a show for you. Very good. You can also find me at TimothyPG13 on Twitter. I never say that, but, you know, maybe I should start. But that's it for us. And so until next time, up, up, and away. <laughs>